Welcome to, to our October movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Elberton, and who's with me tonight? Uh, Steph and JD. And Stuart Hughes. Couldn't think of anything catchy. No, I, I couldn't either. <laughs> so, Stuart Hughes. <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> DJ oh, Neffets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and I'm going to introduce what lovely movie I picked for us tonight because this was essentially my pick. We were trying to think of a horror of a horror movie to do that was video game, and there aren't a lot of choices. Alone in the Dark, House of the Dead, fuck both of those movies. <laughs> and we were debating on Resident Evil with Milo Jovovich, but we did end up settling on Resident <laughs> Evil: Degeneration, the animated Actually, CG movie. I appreciate oh, that you messed up her name, Mike. <laughs> Wasn't Milo Djokovic. Oh. <laughs> uh, Djokovic. Oh, man, the House of the Dead movie is so fucking awful. I kind of wish we had done that. We will. It's got we Clint will. Howard in it. I I definitely want to do those movies. I want to do all six of them. And Stefan doesn't have a choice but to join us just because we need his commentary oh, for them. So hard to watch. It's so shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's right, also but... like on the Far Cry movie as well. Anything by Uwe Boll. That fucking oh, they're bad. God, no. Oh. Okay, that would be but... worse than Resident Evil. <laughs> Anything. We have to be careful, though, because we talk about Uwe Boll, he might try to box us because apparently that's his fucking thing now. He's trying to box everybody who says his movies are shit. Hey, we'll gladly cut down a movie. He can he can spot us out in all the social media. We'll get it's... more hits that way. It's hard to box 7 billion people, though, so... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, We are covering Resident Evil Degeneration. It's a CG motion picture movie that's actually canon to the story that came out in 2008. The first of the canon Resident Evil films. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't know. It just placates too many of the tropes from Resident Evil 2. Like, okay, let's just get into this. Claire is... (laughs) babysitter of the year in every single story she's in yeah and in this one she's even a babysitter as well and leon in this one i mean it's the same voice actor from resident evil 4 but this time he sounds like he took like two valium every time we tried to record him he's well, like i'm i'm leon we've mentioned this before but claire redfield is the only responsible and smart adult in the entire resident evil series so clearly yeah. she has to be the babysitter. <laughs> like, Chris couldn't be it. also like, too, that, like, this is a movie starring Leon S. Kennedy and Claire, well, really Claire Redfield, and then Leon S. Kennedy shows up halfway through, and suddenly it's his movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it does. It's kind of weird. It does. But also, like, places. it's yet another, like, it's yet another movie or game where uh, Claire exists in it, but Chris is just nowhere to be found. Like, I don't think I've... Have they ever been on screen together at all? And They were in Code Veronica, right? Weren't they? Um, Chris, Chris yeah. is in Code Veronica. At the end. At the, at the end. end. Yeah. Yeah. And then in the books, they're all on a plane at some points talking to Trevor. Yeah. In the non-canon books, sorry. The non-canon <laughs> books. So in the canon, Claire has canonically seen her brother Chris who she was looking for throughout the entire Resident Evil 2 once. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's like a throwaway line in like Vendetta or something where Leon meets Chris. And I can't remember which one it is. I want to say it's Leon. No, it might be Chris who's like, oh, Claire told me about you. And it's like, oh, when? When did that fucking happen? When did you two get together? (laughs) Did she give you my email address? She does that all the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> Except he oh. works for the government, so it just it's a business card that just says Leon S. Candy with no contact information. <laughs> like my <laughs> card. <laughs> and like a uh, like stencil of his hair. This is how you'll know him. Oh, oh, and I should say that one, there'll be spoilers for this movie and Resident Evil stuff. And two, this movie takes place after Resident Evil 4, but before Resident Evil 5. Right before 5. Mm-hmm. So. Which is weird. They, I, think they, I think they called it 4.5 is what the movie's called. Really? That makes sense. Uh, it takes yeah. place like a couple months before 5. It's right up there. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I mean, there's a there's a big thing that happened at the end of the movie we'll talk about later that I did not realize back when I watched it in 2008 because it meant nothing to me. Okay, well, <laughs> explain this to me, guys, because I don't get I didn't get this through the whole movie, and I told Mike even I had to rewatch it twice because I was like I don't know what's going on. But at the beginning of the movie, it's in an airport, and a dude on the plane is sick, and he's gonna yes. turn. But there's also a senator in the airport who's suddenly gets attacked by zombies. I don't understand how those two things coexist. Is it ever explained? Who's the most Resident Evil character there's ever been. Yeah. The most, like, blatantly evil U.S. senator. That's just the most, like, Weasley. He's, like, fat and bald. He's, like, always sweating. He's always, like, I hate kids. Get me out of here. Only I matter. I hate that guy, too. From what I understand, from what I feel like, I feel like the, the plane coming had the one zombie was a guy who was going, who was sick, who was trying to say, like, hey, this is what's going on here. Test me or save me, whatever. But the airport was a setup. Um, well, it was all a setup. It was. Um, oh, OK. <laughs> so for those who don't know, this movie is basically three very, very distinct acts. This is like a very structured movie. Mm-hmm. It starts off. You're in an airport. Claire's in an airport. She's meeting um, a little girl named Ronnie and Ronnie's aunt, who I don't think they ever say Ronnie's aunt's name. I think she's just known as Ronnie's aunt. Oddly Um, enough, she is also voiced by Allison Court, who voices Claire also in this movie. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, they got a. I mean, this movie has a a lot of really good voice acting behind it. Um, You got Laura Bailey in there, Steve Blum shows up, Crispin Freeman's Mm -hmm. in there. It's a lot better than Resident Evil normally likes to do. So, mm-hmm. Michelle, yeah, uh, and if anyone doesn't know who Allison Court is, you do know. You just don't. You just don't know. Like she yeah. did the voice of Lydia in Beetlejuice. She did the voice of Jubilee in X Men: The Man- Animated Series, yeah. and of course Resident Evil Two. One of those voice so. actors that's been everywhere. You recognize their yep. voice, but you don't know their face or the name. Yep. I don't. Is she in? Um, is what's the documentary called? Behind the Voice or something? I don't know if she's Ooh. in that. I think uh, uh, Steve Blum and Laura Bailey are both in that, but I don't know if Allison Cooper mm, shows up. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's and a good documentary. Chicks. People should watch it. No. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. If you're at all <laughs> interested in voice actors, yeah, actually, no. Ronnie's uh, Ronnie is played by not Allison Court. She's played by uh, the voice of Jill Valentine, which is really funny. Huh. I guess I, I had to find uh, a way to get her in this. Huh? Yeah, I think she did the. Uh, like what happened was originally she did the voice and then there was like complications. So she had to go back in and do it. Alan's Allison court had to do over it. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Us having not having facts on the show. <laughs> Ronnie's aunt who has like three lines in the movie is also yep. a famous voice actor. Uh, <laughs> plays um, the major in ghost in the shell. Oh, wow. Uh, and she's Mary Shepard Sutherland in silent Hill too. Wow. We were really- we really, I need to play. I need to replay that game so much for the show. He's in a, a bunch of stuff too. I mean, 
if you start naming like some voice actors, like you're like, oh, like Steve Blum, you know him from these five thousand roles. <laughs> <laughs> one of the minor characters in this in this movie, the one of the SWAT team guys, was voiced by the guy that did Spike in Cowboy Bebop. That's Steve Blum. Oh, okay. Like, I met him in uh, real life. I think I've told this story in the podcast before, but I met him in real life, and basically, like, I was like freaking out because I love Steve Blum so much. So I was just like, ah, I I like you in Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> He's like, oh, great. Like, he was so nice. He was like, oh, thanks, man. I'm like, yeah, it's really fun. And he, like, he was like really genial and kept talking to me. And I was getting him to sign a piece of paper. And he was like, oh, well, um, or like a picture of uh, Spike Spiegel. He's like, what do you want me to write on there? And I was like, oh, whatever you want. I don't know. And in my mind, I was like, I hope he writes whatever happens, happens. But I couldn't vocalize that for whatever reason. And he was like, I know what I'll write. Whatever happens, happens. I was like, I love you. Thank you. Okay, bye. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna need my hand back, though, Stu. <laughs> just like bawling and like snot coming out of my nose, <laughs> sweating profusely. Just like, I like you a lot. He's actually gonna be at GalaxyCon here in Minnesota here when I go in November yeah. too. Yeah, he does all the GalaxyCons. He's um, yeah, really nice guy. <laughs> From yeah, my five be... second interact, he was nice enough to not be like, "Hey, get the fuck out of here, weirdo." So I think he's a very nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a legitimate reason <laughs> are you telling me you were you acted weird huh but um talking about voice actors showing up in other resident evil things uh laura bailey who plays angela miller one of the two swat agents in in this movie or not Ooh. swat sorry not swat they're srt which is basically SRT. SWAT. and is in addition to playing lust in full metal alchemist she also played helena harper in resident evil 6 oh. who is basically the same fucking character as Angela Miller in this. Like, yeah, I was thinking yes. the same thing when I was when I was watching this like, for the first time <laughs> for the second time, and I was like, "Huh, that reminds me a lot of that character in Six. I have a theory. Um, every time I watch this movie or every time I play Resident Evil Six, I always have I always think about this. I think they were supposed to be the same character. I Probably. Think, I think when they were doing Resident Evil Six, they were trying to find a way to make it Angela Miller because again, they got Laura Bailey involved. Like, I can only think that they were, like... He looks kind of the same. They look... Yeah, they're both, like... Um, a female character of brown hair? Yeah, tall uh, tall brunettes with, like, the same kind of <laughs> facial structure. And in this, Angela's, Angela's, like, trying to save her brother who's gone bad in Resident Evil 6. All he is trying to save her sister who's gone bad. God, I don't... I hadn't... I actually hadn't seen this movie since 2008 when it came out. Like, that was... I, that's why I was kind of excited to rewatch it again. I don't think I watched it until later. Um, yeah, I think I kind of avoided it at first because I was like, oh, this is probably going to be... I think because I was like, all the Resident Evil movies now are shit. Um, so this is probably... <laughs> what are you talking good. about? They're all good. <laughs> huh. yeah. yeah, they're but all... No, I, I remember this came out in DVD. I worked at Target and Electronics, and I think I forgot it was coming out. Also, I walked by, I'm like, what? It was in the new release section. I remember I just grabbed it, took it home, and watched it that, that year. Is that how you got fired? <laughs> yeah, I bought it first. Uh, no, I did get fired, but not for that. So, okay. I, I got fired. Okay, since it's been it's been over ten years, and we're gonna say this on the show, I got fired for leaving my area to help a customer because nobody would answer the walkie. That's what yeah, I got fired for. That's that's bullshit. Oh yeah, it, what what it was is that they wanted to get rid of the position. They didn't like me in the first place because I wasn't the I wasn't the I wasn't okay employee, but I wasn't like the best. But they, I had an attitude, let's say. And they just didn't like me, and they got mad at me. And I'm like, customer needed help. Nobody answered the walkie, so I went and helped them. But we told you if you leave electronics, we're gonna we're gonna coach you and get fired. I'm like, 
So I, I, yeah, I was pissed. But yeah, that's that's why it was my like target story many store. years ago. I'm okay telling that story because I will probably, yeah, that was over ten years ago. The grocery store I worked at, yeah, I almost got fired once for for not leaving. They were like, "You need to leave. You need to go home, um, or you're going to go into overtime, and you could be fired for going into overtime because apparently that's the worst thing you can do as an employee in America is use your <laughs> overtime." Um, and they were like, you need to leave. But they also constantly told us, like, on a daily basis, they said, you're not allowed to leave if there's customers. <laughs> so I had worked, like, I think I pulled, like, two or three double shifts that week. And I was, like, dangerously close to going over overtime. They were like, you need to leave. If you aren't le- like, if you don't leave, if you're not out of here in five minutes, um, you're going to be reprimanded. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I'd go back to, like, the deli where I worked. And <laughs> there'd be customers, like, because it was a busy... It was a busy grocery store in the middle of like the ocean front, <laughs> like the most one of the most like heavily uh, tourist areas or tourist <laughs> tourist times of the year. <laughs> and they were like, you can't leave. We need you. We need you. You can't leave. If you leave, you're going to get reprimanded. And I was like, OK, <laughs> and I get called over by the manager. He's like, you need to leave or else you're going to like get reprimanded. And I was like, OK, <laughs> back there, like you better not leave. I was like, OK, I don't know who to listen to. I have seven bosses. I don't know what to do. <laughs> It's like you guys need to just talk to you. I think at one point I told my my manager too. She was like, she's like, why do you keep trying to leave? And I was like, look, talk to the store manager. You guys work it out. I don't know what to do. I'm getting conflictory information here. I don't know. I'm removing myself from the situation. I have a story about bullshit overtime too, but um, we can maybe get to that next time. But I do want to say, speaking of bad situations, like when this movie starts off with Claire in the airport, you end up having her get. Let's say double fucked in one way. So I like the part where she's sitting in the airport. I know that could be taken many different ways, but (laughs) I'll get there. Um, She's sitting in the airport and you see Curtis Miller, who is this guy that was on TV, who means nothing to anyone who's Resident Evil because he's a brand new character. Yeah, but he's also like a brand new, obviously evil character. He's wearing like a big ass coat. When I I was watching that scene, all I could think of was Dead Rising for Xbox (laughs) Xbox 360. I'm like, this seems like a plot of Dead Rising. This weird guy yeah. is walking around. Mm, he nothing to do with a zombie outbreak that's about yeah. to happen. Oh, another Capcom game. <laughs> it doesn't help that he's voiced by uh, Roger Craig Smith, who voiced um, Sonic the Hedgehog. So you're instantly put off by him. Just, uh, uh, I, it, we were talking a little bit earlier. Is you do have two outbreaks to happen. You have you earlier you see the scene on a plane where the guy's infected, gives a note, and of course you know the plane. You know the plane's going down. Like as soon as you see that scene, you're like, oh well, we yeah. know where this is going. You see, you see the plane, and then you see Claire in an airport, and you're like, well, <laughs> I'm smart enough to put two and two together. <laughs> but I, I did, I did like the scene where it opens up where the senator. They end up seeing the senator, and this guy walks up to him with a with a zombie mask on, and. Mm-hmm. He's all like, Ooh, and then yeah, Claire just grabs the mask. She's like, "Stop it, you idiot!" Yeah, the I, movie I, opens I, up with well, first it opens up with a news report because it's Resident Evil, and that's like a very Resident Evil thing to do is open up with a news report slash brief history, um, talking about needed. like, yeah, it is because it's important to the plot of this movie specifically. They're talking about the destruction <laughs> of Raccoon City, and, and actually, there's a lot of information in this movie that is important to the game lore that doesn't really matter to the movie. Like they've talked about how um, the president resigns uh, like out of disgrace and, out of Raccoon City blowing up. And also yeah. people didn't know what happened in Raccoon City, did they? No. Yeah, people oh, were well, like, they were like eco-terrorists and activist groups that were like trying to release and like trying to figure out what actually happened. 
and he right. just won't answer any questions. I was like, all right, I'm done. This is so disgraceful. So, I'm just out. So yeah, the, yeah, and the whole point of the terrorists in this movie is that they're they're saying they're going to release a virus at midnight if the government doesn't reveal who was involved in Raccoon City. Yeah, and the spread and the spread of the viruses and the other incidents. But yeah, all, that, a, a all that information. India. Uh, of the T virus, I want to say, where people are turning into zombies or something, but they don't realize they are. It sounded like, like yeah, people aren't aware of what's really happening. It goes into like it's. I mean, like it's a brief, like two, three to three minute um, description oh. of the beginning of the movie. But they talk about how like Umbrella was um, dismantled essentially, but Umbrella still exists and is like selling uh, the viruses as biological weaponry to other countries. They talk about. There's like a very brief line that is super important to the end of the movie where they're like, um, this foreign general slash dictator um got a, got his hands on like the T virus and was releasing it and there's like a UN investigation going on. Uh-huh. And it's just talking about like the state of Umbrella right now, basically. Yeah. Is, isn't Umbrella gone at this point in the history? They're yeah. well, yeah, kind Kinda. of. They're, they they're gone name. in name. <laughs> Okay, because yeah. this is after everything happens in the opening of Resident Evil 5, which I don't want to go into too, too deep, where Spencer's not, let's say, with the living anymore. Yeah, at this point, in, actually, that happened right after this movie, I think. Okay. Uh, this was, like, mm. right before Wesker's official, like, of, of Res- this is when Wesker was running Umbrella from behind the scenes, but before he officially killed Spencer and took over as the chairman. Yeah. Okay. I felt like... What happened with the events after Code Veronica and things that Umbrella wasn't really in very good shape after all that, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. they basically, well, yeah, by in name, they do they no longer exist. Okay. Right. Yeah, like we also have to remember, like, yeah, we also have to remember that they're an international company, so if they were to dissolve in the U.S., they wouldn't dissolve in other countries. It would be completely different laws against them. Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. is why the PSAA is later created because it's supposed to be an international bioterrorist group or yeah. bio the stopping bioterrorists like that. Bio stopping asshole activists. Something. Yeah. Yeah. five, right? <laughs> like five is the first occurrence of BSA. Um, or no, BSA is around in the Umbrella Chronicles game for Wii yeah. in the side story thing. Well, I don't want to. It's BSAA, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, Bioterrorism <laughs> Security Assessment Alliance, by the way. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see here. They were... I'm trying to find their first appearance. Because um, I know for sure it wasn't 5, because they show up in the stage show before 5. And that's like... <laughs> I mean, the stage show? You, I mean, you laugh, but that's like when they were like... That's when like all the different branches were introduced, honestly. Because uh, it's Chris Redfield and Piers working as the um, North American <laughs> BSAA, and they're dealing with the Oceania BSAA. Mm-hmm. So you know, like that is that is legitimate. Like when you get like the most information about the BSAA for the first time. You know, looking back of all the resumes we've done on this show, part of me wishes we would have did it in like chronological order, which is too late now. But <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you know? like, we'd have so much shit to slog through before we even got to like four. To be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, uh, we're in the airport. <laughs> Claire Redfield <laughs> is hanging out with Ronnie and Ronnie's aunt, and Ronnie's talking about like all you know is like Ronnie's parents were killed in India, and there's also oh, some background information about I didn't like know that. yeah, they were killed and like I didn't catch that. 
uh, Ronnie's aunt works for TerraSafe with Claire because Claire it's did not like become a whistleblower organization or something, right? That it's or... like a watchdog group. Um, okay. Yeah, I, like yeah, I know, I know. I'm not going there, but I know. We're going to get taken out. Uh, yeah, so she works for Terrace with Ronnie's aunt, and they investigate. They're kind of like they're kind of like a watchdog group that works with the UN that, like, yeah, they keep track of, um, like, all of Umbrella's fallout, basically, okay. where the virus is being spread, and they're more mm-hmm. of, like, a humanitarian organization. They're kind of like the Peace Corps of the Umbrella universe. <laughs> I like the neighborhood okay. watch. Peace Corps slash neighborhood watch. <laughs> yeah. I did, all over my computer. <laughs> there we go. I did like the idea that Claire went on to work for a you know organization like this where Leon goes and works for the government. And also, like I remember seeing this when this when this movie came out, I remember being such a big deal to see Claire back in, in a game again, even though I know Coderon came and went. But just the fact uh, that they had Claire and Leon together again. Oh well, I actually thought that Claire would eventually go on to be like a more tougher person. Like I thought she was going to join some like black outfit group that was going to go in and just kill people without permission from anybody. That's where I saw Claire going. It's it's weird that like Claire's big reappearance in the games is in this, like the remake of the second game. Like that's her, her big reintroduction. (laughs) She's already in. She's in uh, revelations too. Also. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah okay. that's not Claire. <laughs> I never played Revelations 2, so I don't yeah, know a whole lot say, about it. Yeah, it's I would okay. say most fans hate that version of Claire. They don't even know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, that is, like, more badass Claire. But, yeah, like, Claire in the series. I, I think a lot of people like where Claire went, where she's, like, she's, like, the humanitarian. Like, there's even a line in this movie where she's talking to Leon, and Leon's like, like, you became the rescuer. Chris and I became the fighters. And it's like... Claire has kicked a lot of ass, Leon. <laughs> I mean, at this point, she's been as many terrible adventures as Leon has. Well, it's also so, like a funny line because this game yeah. takes place after Resident Evil 4. And, and Leon's like, I'm not a rescuer. And it's like, dude, you literally just invaded a fucking Eastern European country <laughs> to save somebody. Like, you were literally a rescuer. He's kind of an idiot sometimes. That's your one and only job in the entire series. Whenever Leon gets called in, it's to save somebody else. (laughs) Hey, that's what is in this movie. Because you have Claire at the airport, and after the virus breaks out, and then the plane hits, so you have zombies already creeping around. You have the plane that you saw earlier crash into the airport, zombies pouring out of that, of course, which I really did Mm -hmm. like that scene where they're just jumping out, where they're just falling out of the airplane. I was, I like that. I mean, I, and then, and then, of course, Claire ends up running away. I was gonna say it's kind of like we talk. Like I said, this is a very structured <laughs> film. This is the part where yes. they like they introduce every single character in Act One. You get uh, the senator shows up. Um, you get Claire and Ronnie, and Ronnie's on who isn't important. But you get um, <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, you get you see a little bit of Curtis in there, and that's your first hint that like he's involved because he's on like a news report in the background too. He's like he, he um, looks like he's right out of Dead Rising. Oh. Yeah, and Claire like walks by him and immediately is like Curtis Miller, and then zombies start attacking. Um, you know what? Maybe you're right, Mike. Maybe that's what I was confused about. He does look like a character from Dead Rising. Yeah, I don't know if he Dead fits Rising, in Resident Evil. Because Dead Rising <laughs> came up before this. So he mm-hmm. looks like the, the guy that's the villain that released the virus in the mall in Dead Rising that you see early on walking by before everything happens. Yeah. He's like standard, he's like standard movie bad guy. Long yeah. black hair, big overcoat, <laughs> kind of scruffy. Like He looks like if... <laughs> yeah, this bad is going to be a weird prison. 
It looks like if Tommy Wiseau like was an evil terrorist, <laughs> which would be great. Mm, I, I did mean, not, Tommy. I did not. <laughs> I, I do gotta say though, <laughs> I think a lot of people don't even know this movie even exists. Like, there's a there's a friend of mine who is almost gonna be a guest on this on this episode who does in our podcast, who does covers horror games and things, and he didn't even know this was real. He's like, what? They're CG movies? I'm like, and they're canon. He's like, what? Yeah. I feel like this movie oh. did really go under the radar. Um, it's surprising. Yeah, it wasn't like huge, huge thing. Um, I think it's just like, if you're like a big diehard fan and you want to go experience every Resident Evil thing, you'd easily, you'd definitely seek it out. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, just for like I mean, this game, this game. We're gonna keep saying this game because it, it looks like a video game cutscene the it entire could time. Could be a game. Hell, there. It looks like a really good cutscene from a, a Resident Evil game. Um, but yeah, like it it introduces a lot of background information that leads you from Resident Evil Four to Resident Evil Five, and also sets up Resident Evil Six, which I think is impressive in its own right because mm-hmm. it came out before Six did. Yeah. Plus, there's another movie in between Five and Six, right? If I remember correctly. Uh, there's Damnation, which takes place just after five. Okay. Um. Oh, sorry, that takes place like right in between five and six. Okay. Damn well, movie. And then yeah, which will definitely be on the show. I love Damnation. I think Damnation. I've never show. seen it. So, but um, also, one thing I do I want to say, like, bad. when you use that dog, all those list. zombies coming out, and like Claire has no gun because, of course, she has no gun. I did like that. I'm like, oh shit, things start, just things just start breaking down. And then it, as soon as the the airport starts getting infested, and the alarm goes up, and everybody's running for their life. And that's when it <laughs> cuts off, and it goes to Leon. Yeah, it's like there's Act they, One, yeah. Part Two. Yeah, there's a very funny part where the <laughs> they're showing the people at the glass windows like being kept in, and mm. <laughs> this lady's like, "Why are you holding me in here?" Like. <laughs> Let me out. And I kind of feel like that's the lady that's like, can I speak to your manager? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, the manager's just the president, though. <laughs> yeah. She works her way all the way up to the, uh, oh, who's the president at this point? Ames or whatever? I think it's president. I forget Ames. it. I don't know. It wasn't Are president. You sure not Solidus? It wasn't, yeah, it was Solidus Snake. Um, it was, George, it was president George Sears. I couldn't remember his name. Just, the there. next scene is her in front of the uh, the George Washington AI. From <laughs> from Excuse me, I was being held and no one told me what. So the AI is just like... I did like that woman. scene. No, no, no. Everybody is trapped behind the glass and they're starting to do the whole, like, oh, we got to you know, detox everybody. And also my question was, like, I didn't realize right away, but the government actually knows what's going on. Like, they know about the virus. They know how to treat it. Hell, you find out a little of later course. that half the damn cure for the virus. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we mentioned we didn't mention that. Um, another character that the, the final character that's set up in the very beginning is um, Frederick Downing, who is also the most Resident Evil character ever. Who <laughs> I'd say like old I'd white guy fairly effectively goes back and forth between being like a red herring and a real villain. Um, He's a uh, Birkin light. This is what I call him. Basically, yeah, he's, he's basically Birkin Light. But even Birkin, you like are sure he's a bad guy the entire time. Frederick Downing, I'd, I'd say they wrote him well enough where you're like, oh, is he actually trying to help or is he part of this? Like, is he yeah. a good guy that just got wrapped up in it or is he planning everything? What's going on? I, I thought he was a good guy up until later. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I, he's I, wearing a white suit. He's got white hair. He wears like Wesker, like thin Wesker glasses. And you're like, this guy's definitely evil. 
We're, we're gonna have to Click. definitely talk about him later because I have some questions about his whole fucking role in this movie. It's very weird. <laughs> oh, I've got I've okay. watched this movie enough. I've got it down pat. I can tell you everything. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, like uh, I've seen it twice in my life, so I don't so, get a whole yeah. lot. It cuts to it hard cuts from like Claire. Actually, I think it's a pretty solid cut too because it's like Claire and the senator and Ronnie and her aunt all like panicking within the airport, and it like hard cuts to a couple hours later. And it's, um, I, I keep wanting to call her Laura Bailey. It's Angela Miller and Greg Glenn, the two mm-hmm. SRT officers that are like definitely important to the story because they're voiced by Steve Blum and Laura Bailey. <laughs> it's so weird though, because Greg Glenn, like when you first meet him in this movie, he's very calm. He's very like, why should we trust Leon? I don't yeah. know about this guy, he's Angela. Agent. Yeah. And then they Which get inside and well, they get inside of the airport because they have to go in there and rescue the survivors. And he just starts freaking he's out. Just he just goes all Hudson out. from <laughs> Aliens 2. Literally, he's firing just... his entire mag yeah. into a room Ooh, full of zombies. Don't get which some. He doesn't know if any living people are hidden anywhere in this building. He's just. I did like. All. I do yeah, like that. Well, actually, no, no. The scene right before that is the girl runs forward and Leon's punching. He's a fucking idiot. Greg, <laughs> yeah. in, the, Greg in the stomach. And she goes into a room and sees a woman goes like, are you okay? And then, of course, she's not okay because she's a zombie. And then all of a sudden you see all these zombies rise up after Leon gets in the room. He's like, oh, shit. Like, he's like, do what I do. And I, that scene was awesome. Well, Leon, mm. this goes back to every adult, <laughs> I feel like you every adult human besides Claire in the Resident Evil series is a fucking idiot. Leon does nothing to, like, like present any sort of competence at any he's point when he's talking to them. He's just like... He shows up and he's like aloof and a total dick. <laughs> and they're like, why should we trust this guy? And it's almost like, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's from the government. <laughs> they're like, Greg raises some good points where he's like, shouldn't the government have fought, like solved this already? Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, Greg, you, you totally get it. And Leon's just like, I'm only going to take two of you. They're like, don't we need more? And he's like, no. Any reason why? No, shut up. Come on. <laughs> I mean, he does say... He doesn't want to risk more infected. Yes. Yeah, he doesn't want to <laughs> risk more enough. infected. So I'm only going to take two people. So stupid. Oh but my god. I, I think you know I how. Know, uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, you know how like when there's a like a bank robbery or like they people take a bank hostage, they only send in one SWAT guy because they don't want to risk that one. Like they want to risk more SWAT guys getting killed, so they only send in <laughs> one guy. Well, at least in the, in real life, you get shot by a bullet, you don't change sides. You go, oh, I'm on their side now. Like in this, you get bit, you you change sides mm-hmm. real fast. It becomes yeah, oh, instant this movie, yeah. which is totally inaccurate. I didn't like yeah, I wanna, like the part I wanna, early on when the Go ahead. <laughs> when the security guard there's a part earlier on when when the when it does start the outbreak and you see the first zombie bite a security guard and by the time mm. he hits the floor, within like seconds he change he he changes. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. fast. And uh that actually leads into the point I want to make. There's a weird cut in this movie that they didn't fix or they totally screwed up on where when the senator is like being freaked out by all the zombies and you can see some zombies in the background. Oh yeah. <laughs> some of the zombies actually act like humans and they're all freaked out and run away. Yeah. Ah, they messed I didn't notice that, that up that. on purpose. Yeah, I, they had to have. Yeah. Are you yeah, sure it wasn't right. the people wearing the zombie masks? <laughs> oh no, it was like real zombies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was, was like zombies. that was weird. 
Yeah, it's like they're uh, like it was like they were trying to just have people freak out in the background. They screwed up the models. They were like, "Ah, just make the zombies." Oh, so yeah. like in the last minute, they were like, "Hey, did you fix that zombie problem where the zombies are acting as the yeah, humans?" They, they were like, "Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the game ships today, you know, or the movie ships today." Um, nah, nobody will notice. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Stefan did apparently. Okay, yeah, it, but, so after yeah. I did yeah, like so we're in Act part... One, Part Two, where Leon is going in to. To save Claire and the senator, and the senator's still a dick the entire fucking time. Where he's like, uh, the only reason you haven't been killed yet is because I'm here. And it's like, okay, but they're gonna rescue me. Maybe it shut the fuck up. It is kind of funny though that Claire is carrying around a parasol to defend herself. Oh yeah, <laughs> we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. This one scene in this movie where she's like, yeah, she she's like, I need a weapon, and it hard cuts to her holding an umbrella. That's colored like the Umbrella logo. She's just like, uh. And she makes a comment, too. She's like, I wasn't expecting this or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it was a funny comment. I, I, wasn't, expecting, I wasn't expecting Umbrella to say it today. Um, yeah. I did like that because I can't find her weapon. They're like, here, have an Umbrella. And I'm like, uh. But yeah, this is Claire being the rescuer again. She's Because they hear like, so, like they, they hear like the sender's secretary scream. Um, mm -hmm. one of his mini secretaries, even though you see him with a like personal assistant earlier who's a dude. And at some point ah. they're like, Oh, that must be the senator's secretary. And I'm like, wasn't the senator's secretary the guy? Who wait, did he have a personal assistant and a secretary? I mean he was a senator, so you know. Yeah, but he's like flying. That. So it's like he takes his he takes his personal his takes his PA and his secretary and only two security guards. <laughs> he, he walks around with an entourage. He walks around with more people in his entourage than his security team has people. Hey, he needs someone to get him tea and coffee and make sure the coffee's right and not too hot or whatever the hell he complained about. But is that the PA or the secretary? Which one does that? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he, he tells the personal assistant to do it, and the personal assistant tells the secretary to do it. And she comes back and thanks the personal assistant. It's just like a total shit job. It's your turn. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's your turn. You go do this, this fat ass. And then shortly after Claire goes out with the umbrella, she runs into Leon, which I like. I did like that scene where they find Leon and his new SWAT team. Yeah, and Leon again is a total dick and just shines his flashlight in her eyes for like twenty seconds, like not saying who he is or what's going on. Claire's just freaking out. They actually play on the. Uh tropes of nostalgia when uh he tells her to get down because that's exactly what happened in resident evil 2 yeah that's oh, a... like, huh get down <laughs> i like how that's a repeating joke in this series so much that leon eventually does that to chris <laughs> it's just like oh, is he yeah. just he's just trying to do that to the entire redfield family like resident evil 8 <laughs> needs to be leon s kennedy and the redfield like dad like an 80 year old dude <laughs> leon's going into save get down Okay. I'm John Redfield. Get down. <laughs> <laughs> I and I really do like and then you once they get together, you have this you have a few next scenes of them trying to escape out of the airport, which I do yeah. like. And they're like, we're going right through the middle because these things are slow and we can run. Yeah. This is and the my fat senator part. was not okay with that idea. Was not okay with that at all. He's well, like, he's what? Run. Um like he was, he he's literally like the the humans from Wally. -E. <laughs> like that's <laughs> That's essentially what the senator is. He's just like can't oh, get when, out of his chair. When Tiff was watching this movie with me, she was like, "She's like, he looks like a Batman villain." I'm like, "He does. He looks like, like the Penguin." Yeah, that was she was saying too. She's like, "He looks like the Penguin." I need a Vito Penguin. Yeah, I mean, he acts like a villain. He is a villain too. So you know, whatever. After he got out of the airport, he gave the speech from from Batman. 
the penguins speech. Men, women, children, we'll kill them all. Only beautiful, like, Af- like what does he say? It's like only the beautiful androgynous will be left behind. This <laughs> just gave that same weird speech. <laughs> know this quote because he loves those movies i used to know it heart like word for word i used to know it by heart it's such a weird line such a weird speech oh but shortly throughout the when you have them trying to escape you do have it the guy voiced by spike from cowboy bebop gets bit by a yeah. zombie and for, i did like oh, that God. scene where he knows it's, like yeah we're done yeah. the airport escape is i think i think most people's consensus not just mine is that it's the best part of the movie um yes. because it's the most resident evil part of the movie it's a lot of in jokes like the whole idea of, well, first of all, let's go back, because Leon meets Claire, they go back to the senator, and the senator's just, like, being a dick to everybody constantly. And it's at some point he says, like, what makes, like, what makes you think, like, she knows what she's doing? And he's like, she was a, a survivor of Raccoon City, just like I was. And his, like, entire outlook changes on her for, like, a split second. He's like, oh. And it, <laughs> it does a flashback to Resident Evil 2. Yes. And I forgot about that. Yeah, it's great because it keeps their like original Resident Evil Two outfits for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it looks totally out of place within the movie, but it's a great callback. I think I it's also like kind of like foreshadowing too, because it shows that William Birkin's eye, and it kind of zooms yeah. in on it. Like, yeah, remember this eye because it's going to be important later. Remember the G virus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it should have been the flashback. Should have been them running, and then Birkin showing up and going. G virus, like really obviously. <laughs> it was a cool scene. It was cool seeing her. I I really like Claire's original outfit in Resident Evil Two. I think it's just cool. But... Maybe it was foreshadowed oh, yeah. for the Resident Evil Two remake. I highly doubt that. Consider that came you out <laughs> ten over ten years I'll, later. I'll go ahead and say this on the podcast. And sorry, Jesse, but he got pissed off that they the original outfit had black uh, sleeves, and in the remake it didn't. He's like, they fucked it up. I'm like, it's just sleeves. It's not It's not that big a deal. Remember, he also liked Friday the 13th Part 1, so his opinion can't be trusted anymore. How do you feel oh. about... Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think having... you listen to us all that often. But how do, how do you feel about Leon S. Kennedy having uh, side-parted hair instead of center-parted hair? I mean, totally ruined that. Oh, I think I think uh, he brought up like some factoid about like Leon and uh, what's-his-name Steve were kind of both based, both based off of Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So it kind of made sense. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they, I like the idea that they couldn't find an old picture of Leonardo DiCaprio. So they just went with his new hairstyle and they were like, fuck it. No one will notice. Every, every new game, they used the most recent picture of Leonardo DiCaprio to make Leon. <laughs> like, oh. Resident Evil Night comes out and it's like, like, um, fucking candy from Django and Chase. <laughs> okay and then after trying to escape the airport the second part of it is they end up in the middle of the airport and they're shooting down zombies and the fat senator decides to be a dumbass and, and knocks the girl off and tries to escape and take advantage of the situation and runs out oh, runs man. away and i don't know how that dude survives that moment when he jumps um, up in the air and lands on his ass like 10 feet down on like solid a, concrete well, like he's a comic book character or something yeah that didn't make, they any make sense a either. point to show um because he kicks Ronnie off the plane, too. He's, like, in such a hurry to save himself that he kicks the little girl off the plane, and she falls the same distance, but she's okay because she lands on, like, a plane seat that fell off that's cushioned. And mm-hmm. it's, like, it makes a point to show that she lands on that so she's not hurt, but he does the same jump onto, like, the floor and is fine. <laughs> she would not be okay. And, I I, and, then the, and then that part where Claire jumps on the ground and grabs Ronnie with no weapon and just holds her, like, 
What are you well, thinking, like, Claire? Like I said, babysitter of the year. That's I her only like Claire we is can die together, there. Ronnie. I mean, that's Claire and like Sherry though. Claire's like, she's gonna save. She's gonna save the kid no matter what. Even if she, even if it's just throwing herself into danger. And then during yeah. the fight, Leon gets tackled by a zombie and he throws his gun to Claire, and then and then Claire does okay. a pretty cool scene, shoots them all. Yes. I yeah okay so yeah say this because then I have a complaint about this part. I like okay. okay. Uh, I like somebody that scene <laughs> where it's like isn't it like a first person almost too where she shoots a couple zombies? If I remember correctly. Yeah. He throws his his main gun, which is I think <laughs> yeah. okay. it's, okay, you're it's his come. USP. Like that that at some point that became Leon's like standard handgun is like the HK USP. Um, no, in four I think it was. Uh, well, in four he starts with. Oh god, I can't remember what he starts with in four. I think his. I mean, it doesn't matter because in four the main gun always ends up becoming the red nine. <laughs> and if anyone picks any other gun, you're wrong. It's the red nine forever. But yeah, it's like he can get the USP in that, but his. His like main gun in the series was always the wing shooter, the uh, the HK VP seventy, I think is the model of the handgun. It's a really weird looking handgun. You're right. Yeah, and it's like you can attach a stock to it. It's an odd little gun. It's a good gun, so it makes sense that he'd use it. But he throws his USB at Claire. It does an awesome first person scene where she shoots like three zombies in the head. I really like that scene. And then Leon. Pulls his fucking wing shooter out of his goddamn boot and shoots the zombie on top of him in the head. If Leon had two guns, why didn't he give Claire a gun? I know. I was thinking the same thing. But I guess it's all about ass, really. Even if he doesn't give Claire his gun, he's got two SRT members with him with multiple guns. They all have their uh one guy has his his M4. The chick, uh, Angela has her MP5, but they both have their sidearms. Why didn't they give their sidearms to Claire, who is, like, a known badass? Like, Leon could have been like, I'm a government agent. She knows what she's doing. Give her a gun. I guess because she's a citizen, maybe, or something? I don't know. It was a weird... But she's, like, a raccoon city survivor. He says this in front of everybody. Like, (laughs) the flashback shows her with a gun. Leon's a shotgun too. Would it be funny if he was like, "I didn't give this to you because your main gun is supposed to be a revolver." So, and I know you're not far, used to these semi-automatics. And then she gives him the gun back. I want to be like, "Yeah, you keep it for a little bit. Like things are not good right now." Yeah, it's like, did she swear some kind of like she swore off guns in between? Like right after two happens, she's like, "I'm joining TerraSave. I'm never holding a gun again." They're still called Veronica. Oh yeah. Well, um, <laughs> so, oh boy we're gonna ignore that for we're gonna ignore that until we have to play it for the show i think yeah i don't I plan anytime soon unless we make fun of uh steve from that game we will but yeah Claire, um, cool two gold lugers yeah okay and um, then she gets the gun back and then they just run out the door like they're like see the light run for the light and then they're outside and there's a whole military wow. sitting there ready to go yeah, yeah somehow uh, the doors are open now for some reason, and everyone's out for some reason. This is my second complaint of the movie, because at this point, Greg, who has been, who he freaked out, but then he turned into like an awesome badass again, where he was just kicking ass, saving lives. Um, he gets bit, and they're running to the door, and before they get to the door, he's Greg is like looking at his arm, knows he's bit, Leon knows he's bit, Angelo knows he's bit. I want to point out that at this point in the canon, the antivirus exists. There is an antivirus. There is a serum for the T-virus. He can survive this. 
That's why they keep people, when they go outside, they keep them in containment because yeah. they have to test to see if they're infected. And if they are, they're going to give them the antivirus. But Greg is like, like, they're running and Greg just stops. And Angela's like, what are you doing? And Leon's like, no, he's got this. And it's like, what the fuck, Leon, you dick? Like, <laughs> like Leon, you specifically know there's a cure. You've used it. Come on. <laughs> Oh, he gets bitten. He gets hurt too, right? Is that what you're talking about? Um. Well, he sees like sh like Sherry's taking. It. He knows Sherry's taking it. Okay. And yeah. he gets infected. This is after four when he gets infected with the Lost Plagas, and he has to cure himself and Ashley Graham. He knows uh -huh. cures can't be made. Good point. But Good he's point. like, nah, fuck it. Like you could argue that the security guard in the beginning dies. You could argue that his neck gets bitten out and he dies, and that's how he turns so quickly. An argument could be made for that. But Greg is alive, and he's like a healthy SRT member. He's like a beefy, healthy dude. He's jacked. It's like, I doubt he's going to die within minutes. In, in fact, maybe he should already know that there's an antivirus. Like, they don't this know, though. Going because on for Angela a while. and Greg are both like, they're both like completely in the dark. They're like, they even have a line. It's like, when they first show up, like, oh, this sounds like that thing that happened in that city or something. It's like, how is that not... Like, I know it was kind of swept under the rug. I know in the canon, Raccoon City was kind of swept under the rug. But, like, people know that T-Virus exists because it's being used as a weapon. People know that yeah. a cure exists because or, a cure is being synthesized <laughs> and a cure was synthesized. Yeah. Or that a town was blown up in the U.S. It's yeah. gone. It's by a nuke. <laughs> that was always a big thing. and I, they, they kind of, like, tried to address that in Resident Evil 6. But, yeah, it's just like... People are like, finally had it, and they just want to know what the fuck happened with Raccoon City. <laughs> this goes into my this goes into my idea for the perfect Resident Evil uh, Eight game where they go back to Raccoon City because after six, people know what happened there. Surely, people are gonna want to go back and like investigate it. It yeah. all fits in together. Make it happen, Capcom. I would say people never go back to nuclear fallout sites, but look at Chernobyl. People take pictures there, so I know people I are dumb. To go to Chernobyl for years. <laughs> it's like Bigfoot in the U in the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> it happened, man. It's out there. <laughs> the truth is out there. Oh my God, Resident Evil! <laughs> you play as Mulder and Scully fighting Lisa Trevor. Make it happen. <laughs> okay, Best and, game and then what? After they get out of the airport, that's when you find you find they start talking more about Will Pharma. And how well you do have a little bit about Will Farmer earlier, which we we skipped over. Where Will Farmer is this company that took over after Umbrella. Well, Will that... Farmer is a, a they're a separate company altogether. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, but they're yeah. like they came big because they they had an outbreak in India or something, isn't it? There was an outbreak in India, and they got into a lot of trouble for it. Uh, yeah. Will Farmer did. Terrasave videos going around of people and for... people infected. Like that's that's why people wearing the mask in the beginning of this movie and protesting because of yeah. the. the even though I don't think they realize it, what they're protesting, I don't think they realize there's really zombies out there. From what well, that they they know that there was an outbreak. They know that there was like a biological outbreak um, in India and people died, and that's why Claire is involved because she works for TerraSave and she was previously in India, um, kind of like she was kind of like blowing the whistle on um, Will Pharma. So she and TerraSave like are what brought that to light. That's why. Okay. Frederick Downing, the doctor, is like kind of um, iffy about her as a character for a That's long time. That's why she apologizes later on then, right? Yeah, because then the senator and uh, Dr. Downing just put on, like, lay on the biggest fucking guilt trip ever where they're like, oh, in India, we were trying to synthesize the cure. That's why, like, we could have had this here immediately, but because of TerraSave, we had all this, like, government regulation, and that's <laughs> why it took so long to get the cure. And Claire's just like, this is all my fault. It's like, no, like... Okay. Will Farm, so that's Will Farm that was, was being really shitty. You did a good thing, Claire. 
<laughs> and then you also have a scene where they have all these trucks full of the antidote, and that's where they're freaking out, like, you had the antidote, you didn't tell us! And then they blow up the damn antidote. They All the yeah. trucks just blow up. It explodes for a mysterious reason. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's when... It's a real downer. <laughs> yeah. And that's when Claire reveals that she saw Curtis Miller, and they do this whole thing with, like, Curtis Miller, he's that eco-terrorist. And Angela all of a sudden is like, Curtis... I'm Angela Miller. He's Curtis Miller. We're siblings. <laughs> it's like I was Oh, so yeah, popular. that was stupid. Curtis is my brother. And everyone's just standing there <laughs> watching her, and no one thinks to say, like, what the fuck? <laughs> really? <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah, yeah and that's when you find like, out. Yeah, okay. And then I, yeah. I don't know if they go right into his backstory, but they, they end up going into his backstory where her brother, Curtis Miller, used to, um, his family, his wife and child were in Raccoon City at the time of everything yeah. went down. Angela goes on, after Claire goes on her whole guilt trip, um, Angela goes on her guilt trip and is like, Curtis was such a good guy. Like, he's the one who told me to, like, keep fighting, blah, blah, blah. He lost his family in Raccoon City. Um, and that's why he became, he used to work for Will Pharma, but he, he, uh, he was an actual whistleblower and got fired from Will Pharma because he knew that, like, Umbrella was involved and he was trying to say, like, Will Pharma was working on this virus as well. Yeah, that's bad shit. Yep. <laughs> You're at okay. it. And then he grew his hair about three feet um, and became the lead singer of Death Clock for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he does, he does look like Nathan Explosion. <laughs> Look, see, it does look remarkably like a live-action Nathan Explosion. <laughs> and this is essentially act two of the movie, then, where both Leon yeah. goes with Angela to go to Curtis's house, which is burned down, and Claire goes with... God, the Claire goes the, with the, Frederick the white ver the Wesker version all in white. We'll just call him, him Albino Wesker. How about that? Albino Wesker. <laughs> okay. Claire and Albino, Albino Wesker go to Will Farmer. Yeah, and yeah, this and, is... And that's like, the part, too, that why would you take somebody who works for an agency that kind of caused you a lot of problems? Hey, why don't you come to our headquarters and I'll show you around. Come on in. I'd be like, see, no. This is the part that I had questions <laughs> for, Stu. I okay. have no idea why he invites her there. It doesn't make any sense. And even the way he acts, like, it makes no sense whatsoever. He needed her to make tea with him, remember? He invited her to have tea. It this, makes uh, no sense. Like, all villains do. Have well, tea. in, okay, so, two parts to this. In the context of the movie, this is the part where they say, Frederick Downing is obviously a bad guy in the beginning. This is the part where you make him not so obviously a bad guy. Like, he's working with Claire. He's giving her all this information. He's telling her all this stuff. He's being kind of like, like selfish about it. He's like, oh, but like, like I want my, um, I want like my immunity for this too. But here's this information. Oh. He's he's like showing some moral qualms. In the context of the character, he is trying to get Claire in the building because he knows that there's a bomb in it. But spoilers for I guess the rest of the fucking movie. Um, <laughs> He knows that there's matter. a bomb in it, and he knows Curtis Miller is in it about to freak the fuck out. So he's putting Claire in a situation to be killed so that she's no longer a problem for him. Well, is that why when he... Okay, because he drives her up to the main entrance, and he's yes. like, oh, my passcode didn't work. He's like, let me use the master code. Is that yeah. why? Is, is that how he knows? Is that how he knows Because, like, how, how does he know that there's bombs there? Like, how does he, he already it know up. that? Oh, um, yeah, he put the bombs there, and the reason that he can't use his card is because it's not his card. He gave his card to Curtis Miller to get into the building earlier. Oh, they don't find that, by the no, way. No, they don't. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, but that's how Curtis Miller, that's like, 
<laughs> when he's like, oh, like, card doesn't work, it's because, yeah, he had to get Curtis Miller into the building somehow. Okay. That's crazy. I like, how, I like that, that simultaneous, oh! <laughs> we all watched the movie, yeah. but that's not explained we're like, in the movie. That's something that, I mean, I that's something I assume what happens, but that makes that's what makes sense to me is we're just gonna say that's canon because I think I think that's what happens. There oh. is a comment oh. in the end of the movie where they do talk about how he was the one that set it up. But this is like again talking about how struck like this movie is so ridiculously structured when it goes into act Ooh. two, it's like total shift. Like before we're in that dark airport, suddenly uh Claire and not Claire, sorry, suddenly Leon and Angela are going to Curtis's house to find him and it's burning down because he like there's a little cut to him earlier where he's burning his old house down. He's like getting rid of his old life. So yeah. they're at this giant burning wreckage while she's going into her backstory. And Claire and Frederick are at this like giant bright building. So it hard cuts from dark airport to a really bright environment. It feels it, like going into the second chapter of a video game. It's very much like the intermission before the finale is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, this is and, this is it's so obviously like, okay, we're done with that, we're moving on to the next part. It's so weird. It's, it's a very so, so. it's very odd. Because most movies, even like really structured movies, aren't this like defined. Like it's so it's it's like it's it follows these very specific beats where it's like one third of the way through the movie, cut to act two, hard cut, this is happening. Like Yeah. It's almost like Pulp Fiction, where, like, suddenly we're telling a completely different story. Yeah, like, I feel like if this was a real movie, what they would have done is Angela would have called his house, he wouldn't have answered, uh-huh. and then she would have somehow found out, like, oh, maybe he went to mm-hmm. to the, wherever the thing takes place at at the end. What is it, Trisol? Um, Will Pharma. Will Pharma. It's like, oh, maybe he went to Will Pharma. We should go there. Oh, Claire's over there. Let's go. Like, that's probably what would have happened in a real movie. Or it's they just would've... so bizarre. Yeah, like they go to Curtis's house and Claire calls Leon and is like, shit's going down at Will Pharma. There's a bomb. And somehow they get there within like minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's like on the other side of the city. There's something well, wrong with the servers. <laughs> I do like <laughs> the Will Pharma labs, though. Like, say what you will about Resident Evil. They know how to make a really intimidating science lab. Oh, yeah. It's like. <laughs> six stories tall and it's like all white and glass it looks like this very modern evil building <laughs> and it's like the size of a fucking city it's got like this giant um like wall around it and it's just this big tower in the center it looks so menacing something that they kind of added in there that i think is in the novels too is it looks like they have a a built-in structure where like bow's can roam yeah and it looks like they test them out there in that field yeah, and I always thought, like, is that what's going on here? Are they testing BOWs? Well, they even have, um, I think the, like, the, so they like, yeah. So you find out the lab is, let me mention this first. You find out, like, the doctor disappears. He says it's a bomb. And, like, shit just starts falling apart in the lab immediately. Like, you get, like, Ooh. cuts on security cameras to see, like, other doctors have been turned into zombies. Even though zombies stop showing up at this point, basically. Um, mm-hmm. You just know that there's <laughs> zombies in the building. Curtis is like hanging out in the center of this this giant facility and even the center is like a big like BOW testing site it looks like a big cage it's yeah. really cool also That's my favorite alt, alt band by the way zombies in the building zombies in the building <laughs> i have a really important where the hell is the security in this there's no security i was i was watching this movie with tiff and i'm like there should be security guard there should be someone at the gate I'm like where is everybody 
Well, it's like the I think the idea is that like the security guards have left. I like I don't honestly know. I assume Will Farmer does have security because they have a security office, but like I assume <laughs> that like Frederick Downing orchestrated like the security guys like like mandatory vacation for all the security guys on the same day. Yeah, I think I it's mean, like that... uh I think it's like Terminator 2 where it's like Perkins, you can't leave the desk like that. Like he yeah. chained him to the toilet in the bathroom. Yeah, they're all, all there's, like, there's there's two hundred security guards, and Downing has individually chained them to various toilets throughout the building. Okay, so Tom there's no and John that part. and David and Gary. That's the I don't only know. Way to they all they all want to talk to uh they all want to talk to Director Downing and disappeared. Anyway, Director Downing wants to see his office. We got to go up there right now. <laughs> it's like totally idiot. That was just that was just something that bothered me. But that lab was super cool. Like you were talking about. I really, I really was impressed by it's that like, whole like that. This part is kind of cool. It's like something out of like like a slapstick movie, like Clue, where the security guys walk into his office one by one, and he's just clubbing them on the head and dragging them into the bathroom. Like he calls the next one, and clubs one. It's just like not not my attention. That was a whole day for him. That was the day before. He's just he's just so exhausted. <laughs> I didn't even know there were people in this building until they turned into zombies. Yeah. But I, yeah, I guess you cool. see a couple, but there were a lot of people in this building. I think like how bad. Leon shows up with uh, the entire army. Um, <laughs> yeah. But only like one fire team goes on with them and they get fucking destroyed. <laughs> I, I did like seeing the G virus again. I mean, well, for me, this was the first time because I never played Resident Evil 2 at the time when I first played this, when I first watched this movie. And oh. it is cool seeing when he injects himself with the G virus, he just fucks people up. That was cool. There's, yeah, and there's a very cool instance that they put the, put in this movie. Like, the, one of the coolest bits is that they use the lore from Resident Evil 2 again. And they say that Angela, he's after you because he's trying to find a mate. Because what the G virus <laughs> does is in Resident Evil 2, Sherry got pregnant, a little child, by her dad, because the G-Virus, what it does is it looks for the most identical DNA to impregnate. So it's just so gross. Because it's like, (laughs) come on, almost asexual. (laughs) Yeah. I like, um, so yeah, so Curtis turns into G-Virus Curtis. Before we go, I need to quote a famous line from Grand Theft Auto 3. My mother's my sister! Okay, continue on. But uh, yeah, so this is like, like the midway point is Claire, the doctor, Leon, and Angela, like getting all this backstory out of the way, getting all this. It's basically like the expedition dump of the movie. It's the entire act two is yeah. the doctor giving Claire. And then when Curtis uh, shows up, um, oh yeah, like Downing's like, like there's a bomb in the building. I'll try to deactivate it. Um, and then somebody calls again. He's like, I thought I saw Curtis earlier. That's the last you hear from Downing for a while. And Curtis mm-hmm. shows up, turns into G-Virus Curtis, and then it's like, Hard stop, act three suddenly happens. And act three is yep. like, a, like no joke, it is a 40-minute fight between Leon, Angela, Curtis, and occasionally Clara's helping. It's just so bad. Like, I, I, I want to appreciate fights like this because I imagine it's how they played out in Resident Evil 2 or any of the Resident Evils, really. Mm-hmm. But, like, for some reason, this movie doesn't use horror to the effect of horror. Like, it's just action-y yeah, it's set just action-y. pieces with like biohazards yeah hopefully we'll watch and, a, a damnation on the show too because damnation does a will. lot more with horror mm-hmm. and then vendetta is like now oh, all action again although vendetta does have the best action scene in the entire resident evil series oh god i saw that on facebook i was like jesus christ capcom 
I wish that was the entire movie. I fucking love that segment. Just for those who don't know, just look up like Vendetta action scene. It's probably like the only legitimately great scene from that movie. But it's just Chris and Leon kicking ass for like straight four minutes. <laughs> and it's like they clear both. one hallway. It's literally a single hallway. Well, what's that? What's that movie one. with? What's Old that boy? movie with Christian Bale? Oh, um, Batman. Oh um, no. E- oh. Equilibrium? Equilibrium. Oh, yeah, that's what yeah, it yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. It's like uh, the Gunkata. Since this yeah, never comes up on the sh- since this probably never come up on the show again, I do want to- I have a story with that movie. That's that. I'm gonna it somehow actually kind of pertains to this one. I used to work at Target around that same time. The only reason I even know that movie exists, there was a girl that I liked that worked at Target that I was hit- hitting on that I that I invited over, and she was talking about that movie, and I actually bought that movie. <laughs> Have her come over again so we could watch it together. She never came over again, by the way. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you reminded me of that story. I, I like Equilibrium. It's a good movie. I feel like there are people out there that love Equilibrium, and they're the worst kind of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I don't know why. That movie, just because on the show. I, I so like they, that. I do like that movie. It is enjoyable. But I know people that, like, love Equilibrium, and they're all just, like, total douchebags. Oh, I, I think it's because it's based on that form of government. Like no yeah, emotion. People who like people like Starship Troopers for the wrong reasons, or <laughs> the same type of people. All right, so you were people saying like about Fight Club for the wrong reasons. Yes, I'm gonna take it back. <laughs> yes. So, so I, I did like that scene. So you have when you have him become the G virus villain monster. I, I did like, and it's just everything with that. And I like like how Claire is trying. Like he helps Claire get the elevator. She goes in the basement. He gives her a gun this time. Yeah, and he's like, and at all. And then there's a part when the elevator closed, he says, be safe, and she says, ditto. Yeah. And, and for waste. some reason, I, <laughs> when my wife was watching, she's not here to tell this joke, so I'm going to. She's like, did he just, she, instead of hearing ditto, she heard daddy. And she just started daddy. laughing. She's daddy. like, I heard it. I heard him say, you too, daddy. And I'm like, what the fuck? Ah! Claire, this is a part of the movie where they just reveal that Claire's super horny for Leon, and he's like super horny for Ada. It's just the worst kind of triangle. It's an inside <laughs> joke, because someone we used to know um, this, a friend of mine ended up dating this girl. He doesn't listen to the show, so I can say the story. And for some reason, she started calling him daddy on public and stuff. And at first, oh, she's like, what are you do doing? So oh, that was, so ever since then, it's been that kind of inside joke to be like, and yeah. that's what it, that's what made yeah, think of right away. I hate that so much. Me too. I'm usually not like very against public displays of affection, but, well, no, I am. I hate them all, but <laughs> something about like, somebody calling somebody daddy is or just like, Something about saying, like, poppy, which means basically the same thing, mm-hmm. totally fine. Like, if you call somebody poppy, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but if you say daddy, I'm like, ugh, like, fucking get up room. <laughs> hey, boo. Don't ever come out. <laughs> okay, so after that, I did like that scene where she's going through, she's limping through the hallway, shooting yeah. people. That was like cool. a coat rack falls in her fucking foot or something. <laughs> no, she gets, was it a It's, like, it's, a, it's a segment of the ball, because the time bomb goes off. It makes you believe that Frederick Downing is dead. Yeah, yeah sure he gets he killed by the bomb. Because, yeah, like, he says, like, there's a bomb here. I'm going to, like, see what I can do to defuse it. And you're like, what the fuck? You're just a, you're like a biochemist. What do you know about bombs? Mm, a lot. Uh, and then and it blows thought. up, and it's like, well, he's dead. <laughs> but he dies off screen, so surely he's not dead because it's a movie. <laughs> um, I, she has such a weird, like, I know the animation is of that time, which isn't that far behind, but. She has the weirdest reaction when she finds out there's a piece of glass stuck in her leg. Yeah, well, it, like, she's just like, oh. <laughs> like, the character models look great. Something about the movement of them isn't yeah. great. Like, like it's, <laughs> I don't know if they, like, I don't know if they used mocap for this. I don't think they did. 
I was just about to say, I don't think this is a mocap, and they should have used a mocap. should have used mocap. I don't know if this yeah. was before mocap was, like, super accessible. I'm not sure. Because <sighs> I feel like they used what? mocap in Damnation and Vendetta. Um, what year was this one released? This was 2008. Uh, oh. Right around the same time oh. that Red vs. Blue was using <laughs> better mocap, so... <laughs> <laughs> I thought the graphics were pretty good in this, actually. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, uh, like it's the graphics are great. They're like the actual character models look fantastic. When they do mm-hmm. close up, they don't look like they don't look like lifelike, but they look good. They look really good. It's like I don't know. They they avoid like the uncanny valley, but they still look really nice and close to humans. That sounds it's weird. Like it sounds like an insult to say they look close to humans, but. <laughs> It's kind of like spirits within, like kind the of, voices yeah. don't sync up movie. perfectly. The hair is a little like floaty, but it's still there. Like it looks like hair. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it at all with any of the animation. So, but um, let's see here. Okay, well, another example of mocap from 2008 was uh, the Keanu Reeves "The Day the Earth Should Still." So, <laughs> take that how you will. Oh. That was a bad movie, by the way. Yes, it was. Bad movie. The uh, original is great, though. All right, but uh, there is a real cool scene that we that in this movie, right after what we had mentioned so far, and back on track. Uh, when you have like when they start fighting the G virus and they end up G virus monster, they end up blowing his ass up, which I did like that because the building starts cleansing itself. And there's a part where the the army has been shooting the G virus guy, and they're like, "Let's get in the elevator," and they go in the elevator, and Leon's like, "We'll catch the next one." And then the elevator goes up. The monster jumps up, grabs the elevator, and just starts beating them. And I was laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's, that yeah, was great. I mean, it's like, just... Get on this elevator, you'll be safe. They get fucking demolished. It's it's almost like a comedy <laughs> shot. Oh, they mur- murdered them in that elevator. It's it's almost comedic. Um, and then uh, they go in the elevator like... because of that. There is a countdown that starts happening where they get sprayed with some kind of chemical, they and they're like they... with a a. Uh, gasoline-like material. It's like a oh, okay. stuff. Right. He's like, they're trying to sterilize us. And he's like, no, the building. Yeah, they're gonna burn the building down. Which um, makes uh, sense. Yeah, this is trying to stop a virus. I mean, because they have the T virus, they have the G virus. I mean, it makes sense. This is my yeah. second favorite aspect of the movie. Um, the first being the the airport escape. The second being how the lab functions. I think is really cool. Um, that lab is messed up. Yeah, because we talked about it earlier. To get back onto the lab, they yeah they spray the gasoline to burn like to essentially burn out any organic material in the building which makes sense because it's like a, a lab that's secretly working on very harmful biochemicals that can break out and destroy an entire city mm-hmm. and then sections of the lab can be like decoupled from you find out that the, the building is actually sitting over top of like a giant pit and sections can be decoupled and dropped into the pit like miles under the ground which is cool as hell yeah, it's a really and, cool concept for the building. In the it's Resident actually Evil. in it's actually in Resident Evil Six too. Uh, yeah, at, I think it's Jake Jake's campaign. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Jake's campaign in the end of, or yeah, Chris's, the very end of the campaign. Yeah. So it's it's been done before. Well, at this time it hadn't been done, yeah, so they kind of there. borrowed it. Yeah, it's a it's yeah it's a really cool concept. I think they knew it was a cool concept because they brought it up in Resident Evil Six and it came back in Resident Evil damnation a similar kind of lab um hmm. with the like secretary's office that or the uh the prime minister's office that like goes underground 
it's it's a cool way of doing it because it's not like it's not an umbrella facility but it's built up it's actually to be honest it's more advanced than an umbrella city umbrella uh lab would be umbrella yeah. would just be like fuck it we don't need any security measures <laughs> well what year was the last uh umbrella lab destroyed like 2000 so um, it's like 10 decades later almost unless you argue well, the umbrella lab in 2000 in 2006 and resident Evil 5 wait uh, huh. Well, I was thinking of the one in Umbrella the Chronicles. Umbrella Lab in 2012 and Resident Evil 6. It's supposed to be the last one, I thought. Or the, um, whenever, I don't know when Resident Evil 7 takes place. Well, we have to assume that they, they built them a long time ago, because I think Umbrella was created, what, in the 70s? Something? Yeah. Is what, is what it was? Early 60s? It's a really yeah. old company at this, at this point, especially. Yeah. And there's, there's labs all over the place, too. There's an Antarctic lab. Mm-hmm. I like how Umbrella as a company is like, hey, uh, uh, who are we put in charge of that that lab? It's like, oh, who's the weirdest fucking person we know? Make him in charge. Make him the leader. It's like, That's accurate. yeah, that, that Ashford guy that talks to himself and wants to bone his sister, put him in charge. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a good guy. Uh, I, I really did like that fight when as we were talking about the platforms dropping down where they're trying to get the G-Virus guy to drop down. I mean, that part was that part was awesome to watch. Yeah. I was really confused though, like because after he drops down in normal fashion, movie fashion, he grabs uh, the girl's foot, and then Leon grabs her, and he's hanging by his foot. And I'm like, how the hell is he holding up the fucking tree virus monster and well, her? But but he the monster's holding onto a rope too. Well, if we uh, consider conversation uh, conservation of mass, he technically would weigh the same. He wouldn't have gained any extra mass. Uh... I'm leaving that space. He said. <laughs> as i push up my glasses well, <laughs> that eyeball has to weigh 100 pounds come on that eyeball <laughs> I, I i agree i don't agree with Stu in this test i mean i understand where he's coming from and normally i'm always all for science but i disagree the eye is actually filled weight. with helium <laughs> his entire body is filled with helium that's why he can jump so high i don't think well, why well, are you making let's... reason out of this damn it <laughs> i was thinking about it angela angela's like 108 and her brother's what, 250, so 358 pounds. Leon could do it, right? With his foot? <laughs> uh, is it his foot? I thought his she grabs his, her hand. Half around metal piece. He, well, he's dangling from like, uh, like he ties a cable around his foot, so he doesn't have to hang on. Oh. Um, mm. to, like, he doesn't have to hang on with his feet, he just has to hang on with his. his... I thought he was hanging on by his foot. Uh, no, he's not like, he's not like gripping it with his toe. Uh, no, no, no. Well, like, he, he's got his you know, he's got his leg wrapped around a bar, which um, you can you don't have to like exert any energy to really do that. You're just hanging. Yeah, well, you're not different people. No, what is weird is that after like the the <laughs> the thing starts like swinging and he does this weird like triple backflip with her and somehow like he does this <laughs> they get flung off. He does like this backflip and somehow still lands on his ass, like right <laughs> on his fucking head. <laughs> That's Leon. That's Leon. Yeah. <laughs> He's, Leon is so cool until he isn't. I do. Uh, I do He's cool. That. I don't know what you're talking about. This movie has like a nice little joke, uh, a nice little like Resident Evil 4 joke where he starts the movie with his jacket. And at some point, he loses his jacket. I didn't catch that. He never gets yeah. it. He like takes it off before he goes into Wolf Armor and he never puts it back on. Really? I didn't even I, notice that. I don't know if he puts it on. I don't know if he puts it on do the. Uh, <laughs> the epilogue. I don't think he's wearing it then either. Oh, that rem- 
Okay, are we? We're about done with Act Three then, except for the like, yeah. little explanation part. Curtis gets uh, he gets dropped. Well, first they light him on fire. That doesn't work. Um, Leon and Angela jump underwater to avoid the fire, <laughs> and then they go swimming. <laughs> and then Leon. Okay, I know this is a movie, and I'm usually pretty forgiving with this, but this is so. I I do get annoyed a little bit when this happens in a movie. Leon is underwater with Angela. They're about, let's say, five feet away from this giant thick glass pane Leon while underwater pulls out his pistol shoots the glass pane and it shatters and allows them to escape mm -hmm. you cannot right. shoot a gun oh under you can't shoot underwater <laughs> yeah. it'll fire if it's closed it'll fire I think it's a USB I think that'll fire underwater but uh, it will only go about three feet before losing all energy <laughs> This was one of the biggest like contentions with uh, Saving Private Ryan when they were getting shot under the water. It's like, no, bullets would stop way before that, before that they would hit any happen, of those though, soldiers. Because there were bullets that were flying from out of the water into the water, so they were still going fast enough. If you fire underwater, it loses energy really quickly because of like the way the air bubble implodes, essentially. It's um, weird, because I saw a video on it, and they tested it. It was like one of those you know, fact check ones and they shot a they shot at water from mm -hmm. fifty feet away. And I think it was like a foot and a half it would stop. Yeah, dead. it doesn't go very far. But I think it's saving yeah. private Ryan like I don't know. I don't think did it go through anybody underwater? I think it did actually. I think you're right about it that. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Those are also fired from very powerful weapons too. So well, uh, not, that not, not back then. World War Two was like not I mean, there were. Don't get me wrong. There were some very powerful guns in World War II. Look at you, PGM. Um, it's for yeah. my gun nerds out there. The tank, the tank sniper that would take out tanks. Um, so yeah, and uh, when I did Google it, it did say a revolver would shoot. A revolver could shoot underwater. I it can it. shoot, but it will lose all of its energy very quickly. It's like said it about a few feet and is deadly or so. Um, if we, it's not not deadly. Um, if we were underwater. And we're not going to test this, but if we were underwater with, say, like, a 38, <laughs> and you were three feet away from me, and I shot at you with a 38 underwater, it wouldn't even pierce your skin. It would just, right. it might not even reach you. If it did, it would just bounce off. I'm pretty I'll... sure there's YouTube videos of this, if anyone's curious, by the way. Um, yeah. uh, Smarter Every Day did it, actually. Smarter Every Day did it with the slow-mo guys. They fired a, I think they fired a clock and a revolver underwater, and they filmed it in slow-mo. It's a very cool video. Um, I should also mention, picture. too, that that I have tried to do what Leon did for Angela, and that's that he tried to give her underwater. Air. Yeah. Yeah, and that doesn't work. That, that does not work. <laughs> I have tried that with a girl before, and that does not work. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it's just like performing CPR on a live person. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like asking to drown, really. Well, like, <laughs> Let's drown together, honey. <laughs> in movies, too, where... Where when you give somebody CPR, you're blowing oxygen into them. That's not how fucking CPR works. In fact, right. first of all, they don't even tell you to do. Um, they don't even tell you to to blow into people's mouths for CPR anymore, uh, because it doesn't really do much and it's gross. And you can actually get like, you can actually get sick from it if the person has a disease or something. Um, <laughs> you learn new things in the show every day. Yeah, that's just like the idea of that was like to um, you do your compressions on your chest. They've determined that that is enough to uh, compress your lungs and expand them again. Really, you did that, and they blew into expand lungs. At some point, they were like, hey, that's not really that much of an extra step. That's really not doing anything extra. So 
for a CPR, right. you'll chest compressions now. Exactly. They will, when they show up, they will have like the weird uh, breathing apparatus, but that's different. Okay, so after they escape, <laughs> tune into <laughs> games escape. my mom found. Learn about guns and CPR. Oh, after they escape this, after they escape this place, that's when you finally find out that the albino Wesker turned out to be a villain who I think used to work for Umbrella, who then sold the virus, the T virus, and brought the T virus and G virus. Which hey, he did a better job than Hunk did yeah. to so, Will Pharma. Another. This is my third complaint about the movie: is that Leon. Actually, Leon doesn't figure this out. Leon is told about it. So Leon's stupid, and Claire is stupid. Like, Le- like Claire should have been the one to figure this out, because Claire yes. is the only smart person in the entire Resident Evil series, aside from maybe Rebecca. Like, I'm glad we agree on Rebecca. that, Stu. <laughs> but it should have been Claire to figure it out. Instead, what happens is Claire is just like, well, that was all useless. And Leon's like, not quite. We just found out about, hey, remember that guy we talked about in the news two hours ago at the beginning of the movie? His, like, right-hand man folded and told the UN everything and admitted that the person they got the the virus from was Downing. Mm -hmm. And that's how they find out that Downing's actually a bad guy. It should have been Claire. It should have been Claire putting the pieces together. Yeah, it really should have been. They could have easily put that in. Yeah, it could have it could have definitely been clear. I appreciate that they tried to have like a setup and payoff from the beginning of the movie, but it, it just would have made more sense if it was clear. I'm yeah. looking at the end of the movie right now, by the way, and Leon does actually get his jacket back. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it is a different jacket one. though because he lost his jacket <laughs> as an evil four. He never got that back. He got blown up. There are Rest two other scenes. Then you have the scene where they where the albino Wesker sitting at a car to arrange <laughs> somebody to pick him up to buy the virus because he has the virus and the cure in a case. Yeah. I want to say. Yeah, he's and got I, a virus. He's just, he's just, he's just sitting like slightly outside of town. Like, yeah. Like, I would have just kept driving and not stopped driving if I were him. Like, yeah. Like, you're fucking a rich scientist. You don't have like Bluetooth in your goddamn car. <laughs> Can't just make the call from the road. Uh, this is 2008. So, you know, I had Bluetooth in my car. In 2008. I, I I said it didn't exist. I said it wasn't as big, you know. So he had to stop and make the phone call. Stop making. Well, he wanted to have a cigarette too. He didn't want to smoke. It was a rental. He didn't want to smoke in it. <laughs> he was very concerned. You know that criminal was very concerned about the car. Oh, and yeah. I did like that. I he's like too. Like he's evil now, so he's smoking. Like this is the first time you see him smoke in the movie, <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because you know he's evil. I did like that scene where they they both put their guns up to him, and he's like, "I'll destroy the virus," and Angela put the gun to the back of his head. And he's like, save me, don't shoot me, I don't, I didn't mean it. I mean, he all of a sudden just starts like crying almost and I put the gun to his head. It's like it would be a bad idea to bring Angela along. Like, she's pretty emotionally invested in, in this case. Yeah. I want to shot, I mean, you think about, you. She, he's the reason her brother died. But here, have Ooh. a gun, why don't you arrest this guy? We have all these other officers we could ask, but we're going to bring you along. Like, surely his case is going to get dismissed. That's, like, clearly a conflict of interest. Yeah. Also, I don't, she's SRT, I don't know if, uh. I don't really know the SWAT procedure on arresting people. I don't know if she's really the proper arresting officer in that she's case. Not, I'm pretty sure. Not also, a Leon. cop arrested him and not Leon. Leon's a government agent. Like, surely he should be the one. <laughs> anyway, a lot of questions about that. But also, yeah, he did work for Umbrella, right? Like, he did escape Raccoon City, if I remember. Like, I'm not wrong with that. Pharma. He, yeah, he used to work for Umbrella. He stole the T-Virus. And the G-Virus. And the G-Virus. Yep. They, they a, like I said, earlier he's where better he's than like, Hunk. So, Sam, if you're listening, is, this guy is better than Hunk. He actually succeeded he is, in his system. He is smarter and better than Hunk. 
Um, oh, Mr. Death. He does get caught. Hunk is presumably still out there. Um, oh, oh, Hunk's in Raccoon City still. Like he's in this. He's in this constant war with uh, Lisa Trevor. You, you <laughs> like run we into him as Boulder and Scully. <laughs> the imaginary game where Hunk has <laughs> just got to take out Lisa Trevor. It's Hunk. Yeah, you find Hunk. You find Lisa Trevor. This is the rest of this podcast from now on is like every now I'm just instead of bringing up Dragon Ball Z, I'm just going to bring up my fictional Resident Evil 8. Yeah, reminds me, we got through last episode without any Dragon Ball Z references. I think I made a slight joke about DBZ Abridged at some point that nobody caught, but okay. I'll take it back to Jack. It might have gotten caught. Um, but also, then you have the, the weird epilogue. After all that, you have the weird epilogue of the movie where, for some reason, Leon and Claire are wearing the same clothes. Yes. And the SRT girls wearing a purple dress and they're standing on the cliff. I'm not sure what cliff, why they're standing there. I'm like, why is she all of a sudden wearing a dress? I'm like, what? What's going on here? And I, I still don't know. I don't understand I the point of that scene. I don't know if it's the dress from the picture, because uh, she's got this picture of like her and Curtis and Curtis's wife and daughter. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the same dress. I'm trying to find a. I'm trying to find a picture of the picture. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go to the. Okay, as I was saying, but it's just a weird scene, and then that's uh, when she makes a reference about her having the underwater. They go diving together, and Claire's like, "When'd you go diving?" He's like, "I'll tell you sometime." Or in something the stupid like she's that. She's wearing a white blouse, so yeah, she's just—it's very jarring to see her go from SRT uniform to purple sundress. Uh, I think it was nice though that it pointed out how Leon, <laughs> even though he's uh, slightly a pervert, he's not willing to go date the president's daughter because she's underage but angela she's okay yeah, i'll go sl- she, swimming with her i'll go diving <laughs> if you ever want to go diving. yeah this <laughs> is such like uh okay so hold on actually my theory about the dress now is that because the dress physics actually looks pretty good my theory is that they just wanted an excuse to like show off this engine that they made the movie with and they were like we got to put some blowy stuff in there yeah maybe a little bit of her too and show how giant her fucking boobs are. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Again, Ashley, Angela, no Ashley. difference. Uh, how big are Ada's suppo- boobs? Supposedly, <laughs> Hunk did survive Raccoon City. By the way, yes, he did. Okay, he that, did. yeah, Hunk is hundred percent. He's still he's still alive. He's still out there. Okay. Because Probably I thought he was going to be involved in Resident Evil Seven, but I don't think he was. So he was. Mm-hmm. What, Maybe uh, they they haven't quite explained the whole. There's there's a lot going on at the end of Resident Evil Seven that I think has never been explained really, not yet at least. Mm, it, it, it's explained more in the DLC, oh, okay. uh, but it's not. It's not it leaves questions to be answered. Yeah. yeah. So like, mm-hmm. who the fuck? Who, who's this guy? What's that thing? What? Why is he? Are, yeah. Are we... Okay. I don't want to say anything about it, but yeah, it's a very, it's a very confusing <laughs> ending to that game. Um, it's it's gonna be on the podcast one day. It will be on the podcast. <laughs> All right, I do like, like how cheesy that ending is where Hanagan is like standing over this cliff by herself and then Leon and Claire like enter from off screen at separate sides, which is like almost creepy. Not Hanagan. Um, Hanagan no, is Hunnigan, in this though. Hanagan does cool. call Leon. Oh, um, she's not standing on the cliff. Yeah. That's the girl. Yeah, we forgot to mention Hanagan is on the phone periodically who is from Resident Evil 4. I did like that was kind of a cool touch. Hanagan is a. Uh, I feel like Hunnigan really is underutilized. We need we need a Hunnigan story. <laughs> Doesn't she takes over? Um, I want to say her and Clive O'Brien, like, oh god, I want to say they like fight 
the BSAA at some point. Like there's a BSAA like inner conflict, I think. I have we'll no idea. For another another I episode. No. I don't know. Hunnigan's like poor Hunnigan. She just never shows up. Yeah, she's right. like uh Leon's cue to James Bond. Exactly. Any, yeah. Yeah. any any last <laughs> things you guys want to say about this movie? I have Well we gotta talk about the, the whole end of it. Because <laughs> oh, okay. then after this whole thing well, first of all, there's a very funny scene where Claire and Leon are like, Wanna hang out? Nah, I got shit to do. Like both of them both of them kind of imply that oh, they yeah. like, wanna hang out, and then both of them separately say, No, we are both busy. <laughs> and Leon's like all it's it's like a series of comedy shots where it's Hunnigan and then Leon and Claire just appear, and then it's a close up on Leon, and suddenly there's a helicopter behind him, and he's like, You want a ride? And Claire's like no thanks, I've got a limo. And suddenly behind her is Ronnie and her aunt. <laughs> it's makes just, no sense. It's just like a series of hard cuts that are all, I think they're all supposed to be really funny, but it's just like, what the fuck is going on? How come <laughs> we couldn't great. hear that helicopter earlier? It's just right next to them. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then we go into the actual like epilogue of the movie, which is only like a minute and a half, but this is like where it really leads into five where mm-hmm. a shitty Senator gets killed somehow. You don't know how. Oh yes. I, for- I wanted to mention this. I almost forgot. Thank you. Yeah. He's just like dead at his desk with a newspaper covering his face because that's how you know he's dead. Um, <laughs> because I like how that's a, like that's a trope in movies where somebody will be killed at their desk and just have like a paper on their face. Like, Oh yeah. As he yeah. also got, Arrested for ins—he's being—he's being—he's resigned from office over allegations of insider. He's not being arrested. He's a U.S. senator, Mike. U.S. senators never go to jail. Yeah, we're, uh, we're seeing that in reality right now. Oh, that's a different uh, story. Oh, yeah, okay. that trope is so funny to me. Like somebody would walk into his office and see him limp at his chair with a newspaper covering his face, and they're like, "Oh, he's just sleeping." Like they just leave him there for days. It's like, oh, he's so tuckered out. <laughs> What's that smell? Yeah. Oh, oh, he spilled his strawberry jam all over himself. I'll clean it up later. Just bleeding through the paper. And then you see his computer deleting. And I I, I think even when I saw this in 2008, it didn't mean anything to me or it didn't click. But you see his computer Mm -hmm. deleting everything off it. Mm -hmm. And of course, one of the the shots has Tricell on it. Yeah. Yeah, because Tricell. Tricell's spy deletion software has the Tricell branding on it. (laughs) For some fucking reason. It's the classic umbrella thing where they gotta mark all their shit. It's like that's just like the idea of like 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 somebody's sitting at their computer, like somebody at BSA is like holding onto all their files, like they're they're collating everything, and then all of it starts getting deleted and they're like, oh oh shit, oh who's doing this? Tricell. It's like, oh god damn it. Like just don't put your name on your deletion program. It's a virus. Because Tricell didn't even exist until Resident Evil 5. So this is the first yes. anything you see of Tricell. And then it shows, uh, like, the ruins of the facility. Um, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a facility. And they are it's picking up pieces of the G-Rires, like, of Curtis's remains and putting them in containers. And it's a bunch of guys in hazmat suits with Tricell all over. Gigantic hazmat suits. Gigantic hazmat suits that are just covered <laughs> in Tricell logos. Because that makes sense. <laughs> They're all that wearing extra large hazmat suits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are. Like, they, if you didn't watch this movie, you'll see what I mean. They can't actually see because Tricell is like written over their visors. This <laughs> is completely blind. It's like, the, it's like that scene from Talladega Nights where he can't see out of his windshield. He's like, I can't see a damn thing, but I sure do love Fig Newton. 
<laughs> I can't see a damn thing, but I sure do love working for Tricell. This is the only <laughs> outfits left. I mean, because I mean that's a complete like you know because Tricell is, plays a big part in Resident Evil Five. Yeah, Tricell, which I mean, mm -hmm. we just say it's Resident Evil Five. Or Tricell um, is a shell corporation that is just Umbrella. Okay, yep. okay, that I didn't even really know. I haven't played five in so long, so I don't really remember any of that story. Yeah, that's like the big reveal in five is like they're trying to find all this stuff out about Tricell, and they're like, oh, Tricell is Umbrella. And it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit, Chris. Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> it was Ganon all along. It's exactly right, the same I think thing. we covered everything with this movie. I do have one thing I want to say before we start closing this up. There actually is a mobile game for this movie. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even know it existed oh, you played until it, really? I was Googling for this, for this, I'm like, what a game! And I actually try. You can. I tried to find it online. I found something that would lead to it, but it's delisted everywhere else. So I found it in a way that I'm not going to <laughs> mention. But it is online if you really want it. Google's your friend. What is it? Um, what's it called? It's uh, T Generation, I think. Oh. Resident Evil yeah, T Generation, the game. It is not It's basically uh, a PS1 game of okay. Resident Evil 4 taking place in the same setting as the movie. Huh. But you have an over-the-shoulder view. <laughs> the <laughs> the last boss actually, <laughs> you have to you have to guide him into a jet engine. Huh. So it's like Overblood. Yeah, <laughs> nice. and you turn you literally as Leon guide him into a jet engine. You turn the button on, he goes into it, and Leon's like, "Nice!" And then the game ends. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, it's also on Engage for anyone who has an Engage looking for a reason to play it. It's not Engage. <laughs> Wow. Is that so thing? bad? No, Engage has been gone, but I'm sure there's an Engage emulator. <laughs> I wonder if you could still, like, get... Because I think Engage was on, like, Nokia, right? It was only on Nokia phones? Uh, Nokia, and then it was on iPhone for a while, but I think they delisted it. Oh. Yeah, it's delisted. You, you had, I had, I was Googling it, and I found someone that posted a link to it, but I didn't download it. But yeah, it's oh. hard to find. There's got to be someone out there, because this is this is the internet. Somebody out there has to, like, have jailbroken their iPhone and they're still running Engage on it. Oh like, yeah. One guy who's like, no, Engage was the best system ever. It's just desperately yeah. playing every Engage. <laughs> All right, this episode went a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> I should have known. This game man. is a oh, this guy keeps saying fucking game. This is not a game. This is a movie. It just looks like a cutscene. Oh my um, god, this did go a long time. After we cut this down, it definitely won't be as long. But this, I don't know how much cut do you think I do in editing, but there's well, not I mean, a whole. This recording is about the length of the movie. We're, uh, we're about... We're at an hour and 31, yes. 96 yeah. minutes of the recording. The movie is an, about an hour, not counting the credits, it's about an hour and a, uh, 40 minutes. So in the Ooh. time that you listen to us bitch about this movie and talk yep. about it, you can also watch the movie. Let's just leave five minutes of silence into the podcast, <laughs> and so that way the podcast will be longer than the movie. Like, I was just like, get up, mode. Like I'll just yeah, we'll get up. I'll go. I'll go get a drink, go to the bathroom or something. We'll come back in five minutes. <laughs> uh, all right, I think we should move to Shelter Box. <laughs> I'm gonna go first actually, because I want to, and <laughs> I'm gonna put this on the shelf because I honestly enjoyed this movie, and even though I hadn't watched it since 2008, and I for, almost forgot it existed until I was like, you know, if we should do this on the podcast, and I found it. I, I like this movie. I think it, it adds a little... It doesn't really add that much to the overall story, but it adds a little bit. It's entertaining. It's worth it's worth your time to sit down and watch it. Definitely going on the shelf. How about you, Stefan? Uh... <laughs> I know the answer already, so... 
Ah, uh, man. All right. So there's going to be a little bit of con- controversy here, but um, <laughs> I actually enjoy the first live action Resident Evil movie more than this movie. That's fair. This, That's fair the first say. live this action movie is great. So is the second okay. one. So is the fourth. People oh, unfairly shit on the first live action movie. So yeah, I feel like somebody two. somewhere just punched their monitor or their yes. phone or something. Jokes <laughs> on you. We don't have to pay for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, this just, this movie isn't what I wanted because when I first saw it, it's Claire and Leon. And the first thing I think of is Resident Evil 2. And I just kind of wanted more of that, more of the horror, more of them. It's kind of funny because their clothes actually are like different versions of their clothes in Resident <laughs> Evil 2. Claire has to wear <laughs> her like classic, like Claire always has to wear red for some reason. Yeah, it's it's just the same thing over and over again. And a little bit of the movie too is preying on nostalgia, which I'm not a fan of for some reason. I don't know because it probably just points to the fact that this isn't what I wanted. But I still think it's a good movie. It's just not the movie I wanted. So I'm gonna put it in the box, Stu. <laughs> um, this is also kind of i mean i i really do enjoy this movie i'm gonna say it's going on my shelf because i do enjoy it as a i enjoy it as a resident evil movie as a movie there are things i appreciate about it i appreciate the cgi i appreciate CGI like, is good as a resident evil fan i appreciate the airport uh escape scene i think the whole airport section is great because it's that's like that's what it feels like the most resident evil that's when it feels like it could have the most horror aspects to agree with stefan here like that's when it feels like it could really do some good scares and stuff. Um, yeah, it's got that like atmosphere to it that's kind of missing from the rest of the movie. I think as a movie, it's not great. Like I said, it's so rigidly structured to the point where it's like like this happens and then this happens and then this happens. It's very clear like we're moving on to the next thing. We're not going to talk about this anymore. That works for some movies. Don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing necessarily. It doesn't work for this. Um, it feels like it's a it feels like a video game where it's like you're you're skipping to chapter two all of a sudden and it's an entirely different level. Um, I like I like the characters because they're very Resident Evil. They're very like over the top and ridiculous. Ron Davis is the he's basically the penguin from Batman. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's going on my shelf for like for like weird reasons i i don't think i would recommend this to everybody i'd only recommend it to like hardcore resident evil fans i think because as well i yeah, i don't know like mike you're not a super big resident evil fan and you really liked it so i love the i love the story i just don't really care for the original like tank controls i'm bad at those but i i love resident evil as a whole okay yeah it's just <laughs> like it's got a lot of lore in the movie it's a fun movie I don't think it's a great movie. I think it's got some really fun moments in the movie, though. So it's going on my shelf for that. I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to movies. You are, Stu. Did anyone else notice how Leon's hair does not change through the whole movie? No, it's perfectly coiffed the whole time. Well, I I suspect that Leon has like a mountain of gel in his hair whenever he's (laughs) anywhere, like anywhere on screen. Because, you know, it also like looks super gelled and straightened. Maybe it's, like, plastic. Maybe Leon has, like, plastic hair. (laughs) He's actually bald, and he's kind of insecure about it because he's so young. (laughs) He's calling Barry, like, hey, uh, you got any advice, Barry? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> All right, I think it's time to start wrapping this episode like, up. I distract everybody from my bald head with my giant gun. Like, All like, right, definitely really time. tiny gun. So definitely time to start wrapping this up. First, I want to thank everyone for listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, want to thank Balby, aka Mike Stoney, for our awesome intro and outro. Cool Kid Squad from ZP Bite the Bullet. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our spooky movie for October. Everyone have a wonderful night. Yeah, and listen to this uh, podcast so that we can do an episode on Damnation. Uh, much better. Yes. Also, this did go longer than the movie, by the way. Yes. Awesome. Anyway, right. well, thanks for everybody. Uh, when Nick Dixon tried to kill that reporter.